Good to see you all this evening. I want to start by saying thank you to all of you that were here this morning and made our concurrent worship service a success once again. I was able to take communion this morning, um, so that wasn't an oversight. Uh, we had some other details we wanted to tweak and work out, and it all went very well. Thank you for your patience and helping us with that. Like we've said before, this is more or less a trial run for if we have to do something in the future, we feel like we can make it to the summer where our attendance will fluctuate greatly. It always does. But once school starts back, we think we need to be ready to do something to accommodate all the folks that we have. And so we appreciate you being patient with that. You know, it's, it's interesting when you look across our congregation and you think about all the people that have come our way, it's been really great to see people just kind of merging in with what we're doing here and being a part of our family and being willing to work and being a servant. And it really goes back to what we've been talking about in this series on Sunday nights. I mean, we've had to take breaks here and there because of our His Word stuff. But, you know, when it talk about strengthening our core, we're talking about everyone being on the same page, reading from the same script, willing to do the exercise of faith so that we can be stronger as a body. And I think it's really encouraging to see all of you coming in here and, and being a part of our family and just infusing yourself. That's exciting. Um, when I was coaching, one of the great things about being a coach is when you see your team buy in and they're all on the same page, they're working like a well-oiled machine and they, they want to accomplish the goal that you've set before them and they want to do whatever it takes to be good, uh, to be great. And that's exciting. It's exciting to see it in a church family as well. And I think we have a church family that is doing that striving to be great, working together. Let's keep that up. So kudos to you. Um, if I were to ask you, what is the most important job in the world, what would you say? I don't think it's up there, so you can't cheat. If you know what the lesson is tonight, you might can. I think it's a teacher. And you say, well, what about a doctor who saves lives? What about a paramedic or a fireman or a policeman? All worthy professions, don't get me wrong. But who taught them? You can't name me a single profession, no matter how critical it is to our culture, without naming a teacher who had a hand in that profession. That's why I believe teaching is the most important profession there is. So when it comes to preaching and teaching the gospel obviously teaching is even a greater task because the stakes are even higher and so we're looking at tonight when we talk about core strength what it means to strengthen our core through teaching because here's the deal every single one of us have to be teachers we are all called to be teachers is that not what the great commission is about that all of us are to share the gospel that we are to go and make disciples. That is on us. Peter even speaks about how we are to be prepared to speak or to teach about the hope that lies within us. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Hebrews chapter 6, 18 through 20 talks about this hope and how this hope is like an anchor. And if you know anything about an anchor, you know that you throw it out so that it lands on the ocean floor and digs in so that it keeps your boat from drifting. And that's what a Christian's hope does. It's an anchor for us. 
Now that anchor has to be heavy enough. It has to catch to keep us from being tossed to and fro by the storms of life. But as a Christian, that's where our hope lies. It is an anchor that keeps us tethered to the one that can get us through the storms, the one that can keep us safe when everything around us might be falling apart. That's the hope that we have. And we need to teach others about that hope. I believe as a preacher, my job every week is to leave you with hope. Even if the subject matter is less than hopeful sometimes. There's some difficult subject matter out there that I think needs to be approached from the pulpit. Reprove, rebuke, some of those things, they can be very difficult. But at the end of it all, you should leave here with hope. Because as long as you can draw breath in your lungs, you have hope. And no matter how bad off you may be right now, there is hope. So, we need to be able to teach that hope. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, he opens with this statement. I love this. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope. He is our hope. And so, don't we want others to know about this hope? You probably run into people frequently, maybe even every day, as I do, who have no hope. Let's teach them about that hope. The only true hope, which is Jesus Christ. Everyone should be a teacher. Everyone should be able to teach. If you look at Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 and, and, and following, the Hebrew writer talks about there comes a time when you have to leave those elementary principles, those foundational principles, and move on to teaching those to other people. And I think inherent within what the Hebrew writer is stating in Hebrews 5 and 6 is that teaching is a mark of maturity. That as you grow and as you mature in the faith, you should be teaching about your faith as well. Teaching about that hope. Teaching about those first principles and those foundations that you left. So I think there's no way around the fact that as Christians who are to share the gospel, whose number one responsibility is to be the agency by which the story of salvation is to be told, we have a clear implication from Scripture that we are to be teachers. Everyone is to be a teacher. However, not everyone should be a teacher. Confused yet? I think the Bible is clear on that as well. I think the Bible is clear that not everyone is a teacher. When we look at Scripture, in fact, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 states it well. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Paul talks about this on a few occasions. One place is Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So within the church, within the kingdom, different Christians have different roles and different functions just as not everyone can be an apostle, not everyone can be uh, an elder, not everyone can be a deacon, not everyone can be a teacher. And that's okay. We have to understand our role and our responsibility and exploit it to the fullest. It was James who wrote this. Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Now, please understand, 
James is not trying to deter people who are capable from being a teacher. And I think sometimes we use that as an excuse if we don't want to teach. We say, well, James said, let not many of you be teachers, and I don't want to incur stricter judgment, so I'm not going to teach. No, I think you incur an even stricter judgment if you have that talent and that ability and you squelch it, right? And so James is not trying to deter people from being teachers. He appears to be approaching a very uh, uh, sensitive and actually a very pointed uh, uh, situation within uh, the church, saying that there are some of you that don't need to be standing up in front of people. There are some of you that don't need to be teaching because you don't know what you're talking about. And we see that all the time. I mean, you know, look at religious TV programming. You see it all the time. I mean, why do we have so many people leading people astray? Why, why, is, there, why is Calvinism uh, gaining traction? Why, why do we see different teachings and, and these religious fads like Wicca and Kabbalah and all those kind of things? Why do we see those kind of things? Because somebody's teaching it, right? Probably some of the worst teachers, not probably, Some of the worst teachers in our culture are Hollywood figures, constantly trying to educate us and teach us. They don't have the first clue about truth or religion, at least a lot of them don't, and yet they're trying to teach us, and unfortunately, many people are listening to them. So not let many of you be teachers, because some of you have no business teaching. God's Word mentions specific groups of people who are charged with the task of teaching. Preachers should be teaching others, 2 Timothy 2 and 2. It reads, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. As your preacher here at Oldham Lane, I take that charge very seriously. I hope you know that. That's something that uh, keeps me awake at night sometimes because that is a, a daunting task, but one that I accept and one that I take very seriously. It's why we started preacher training camp. It's why we started the Shine Girls Camp. Is because we believe strongly with our preachers. We have a lot of preachers in our brotherhood, but a lot of them are stepping down. Some of them are retiring. Some of them are getting older. Some of them are leaving the preaching profession. We've got to replace these men. Who's going to do that? We want to be a part of that. And with our young ladies, we want them to understand how to better study the Bible, how to better teach it, what it means to be a Christian woman in service to the Lord. Somebody's got to be teaching those things. And I'm not saying we're the only ones doing it, but we certainly want to have a hand in helping our next generation. Of course, the preacher and the staff are not the only ones who should be involved in this. I know that Blake does a great job teaching our youth. Jake does a great job of uh, getting teachers lined up to teach classes as well as teaching himself. But it's not just the preacher and the staff that are involved in that. Stephanie's not the only one involved in teaching our children. It's a joint effort, right? It's not just the elders. It's not just the deacon over education. It's all of us combining our efforts to make certain that we are doing our part to see that our our children, not just our children, but our young adults, our adults, are being taught. Just because certain people are designed to teach and some people take on that role and not everybody can take on that role doesn't mean that we, we all don't have a hand in that. By our example, we teach, by the way that we speak, by the things that we say and do, all those things are examples of teaching. Everyone is teaching something. The question is, what are you teaching? Hopefully, it's godly teaching, right? 1 Timothy 3, 2, it states, the overseer or elder must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. 
I don't know that Paul necessarily had in mind standing up here and teaching during a Bible class. But our elders, obviously, have a responsibility to teach others the gospel, for sure. I believe that's what Paul had in mind more than anything else. And so our elders are involved in this. I also believe, when we look through Scripture, that Scripture charges our parents, obviously, with the responsibility to teach. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There is no greater gift you can give your child than to raise them up to teach them about God, to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The Bible speaks about older women being teachers. That's in Titus 2, 3 through 5. That older women are to teach the younger women. Certainly that is a critical part of our church uh, uh, growth and maturity is our older women teaching the younger women. And I think we do a great job of that here. Not just here, but in the home as well. If you've ever taught a Bible class, if you've ever been involved in teaching in this setting, I think you would agree with me in that it does you as much good as it does the students. Would you agree with that? It's kind of like going on a mission trip. If you've never been on a mission trip, the first time you go, you think, well, I'm going over here and I'm going to help these people, and you end up being helped more than anybody. And it's the same way with teaching. If you ever have the opportunity and you take on the task of teaching a Bible class, you know that it helps you as much as it helps anybody. And that's one reason I advocate for, for people teaching it's because it causes you to think, it causes you to dig deeper into the Word like maybe you never have before. Teaching forces us to delve into God's Word. When you teach a Bible class, you've got to have all your bases covered. You've got to be prepared. Preparation is key to teaching. And in order to be prepared, it's important to gain as much knowledge about the subject as possible. And great teachers will do their, their due diligence to study the topic and to learn as much as they can so that they can be as effective as possible. So teaching causes us to delve deeper into God's Word. It also causes us to meditate on God's Word. Great teachers are in the Word. They don't just read it, they're in it. And not only are they in the Word, they get the Word inside of them. And they seek to, to focus intently on what it means to not only read the words and study the words, but apply them to their lives. An effective teacher is going to be one who not only teaches this stuff, but lives it as well. A hypocrite is not a very effective teacher. Also, teaching demands that we concentrate more fully on doing God's Word. My teaching prowess is undermined if I'm not seeking to be the example in whatever it is that I'm teaching. When I was in high school, I was a, a junior in high school when my parents got divorced, and uh, I guess somewhat rebelling and, 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 and upset and just hated life for a while. Um, I quit everything that I was doing extracurricular, including football. I quit football. Um, I wasn't that great anyway, so what did it matter? And my senior year, I realized, you know what, I, I really kind of missed it. You know, the two days and everything I didn't miss, but I, I, overall I kind of missed it. So I went to my coach, a man that I greatly re uh, respected, and I said, you know, I kind of groveled a little bit, and I said, you know, I'd love, to, I'd love to come back. And he said, okay. He said, well, I believe in second chances, but the team's going to have to vote you back, so I'll talk to them, and I'll let you know what they decide. And the team voted me back. You know, they were all friends of mine, and so they, they had no problem with that. 
But from that point forward, Coach Shelby treated me as if I had never left. He was so good to me. Uh, this was a man who, who came from a broken home, I learned later. A man who had a very similar situation as I did. He was an enormous man. I mean, arms this big, he, he could pulverize you just in one swing, but he was such a gentle giant. He'd, he'd put his arm around you, he'd talk to you lovingly, never heard him cuss, never saw him act like a fool on the sideline, probably because we weren't very good, there was no reason to. <laughs> but you know what, that year was very special to me, my senior year, because he saw things in me that I didn't see. And I had a pretty good year, all because of him, because he was such a good man that took time and didn't give up on me. And what a wonderful teacher he was. And not just about teaching about football, teaching about life. I wrote him a letter not long ago and just told him how much I thanked him for, you know, how much I thank him for the life lessons he taught me and how much that has helped me today. And he's, you know, he, he went deeper into his story about where he came from and how he grew up and, you know, grew up in adject poverty. I didn't realize that and all these different things. And just a, a wonderful man who used his life to bless the life of others. And, you know, a good teacher will do that. A good teacher will see not just the text, but see souls and seek to make them better. Teaching is a tremendous benefit to the teacher. It can certainly be beneficial to the student as well. We have some great teachers here. But you consider some biblical examples. Notice what's written in 3 John verses 3 and 4. It says, For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth, that is, how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. And what a great compliment. John had heard that those who had been taught were still walking in the truth, and that was his greatest joy. And I think that is God's greatest joy as well, to see his children teaching and walking in the truth. 1 Thessalonians 2.19, Paul expresses his joy for those who were living out what they had been taught. For who is our hope or our joy or our crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? I love to see our young people doing devotionals and even our older men doing devotionals. And, and I love it when Jake and Blake step in for me and I come back and you don't have to put out any fires. It's really nice. You come back and people come up and they say, oh, you know, we missed you, but Blake and Jake did a great job. Awesome job. And I love that. We're a team here. I also think it's funny when people say, well, you better watch out. They're going to take your job. Okay. We're all on the same team here. You know that, right? You know, they'll say that about our young people. You better watch out. They're going to take your job someday. Exactly. We hope they do. That's exactly what we're training them for. We love it when they succeed. I love it when any preacher succeeds because it means that the kingdom is being furthered. It means that, that God is pleased, and we should be pleased with that as well, right? This is not a competition. Through the years, I've told our preacher training camp students I've said this to them you've got to preach now I don't mean that you have to go and get a job as a preacher but you've got to preach and I believe that we were driving home a few years ago the 10-hour drive from Paragool to uh, Abilene and it was just me and Zane and I said well have you decided what you want to do yet for a career when you go to school and all that I said I was hoping I'd get a good answer from this. I said, you think, you think you want to be a preacher? And he goes, 
Oh, well, I've got to preach. Yeah, you're listening. You do. Now, do you want to be a preacher like your dad? No, not really. But you've got to preach, right? And we tell, our, we tell our students at preacher training camp that all the time. You've got to preach. You have the talent. You have the ability. You don't have to stand up in front of a congregation every Sunday necessarily. But by your words, by your actions, by your life, you are a preacher. You are a leader. And we want to take that skill, we want to hone it, and we want to help you get better at it so that you can go and change the world. Because we have a shortage of preachers. But not only that, we have a shortage of men leading in our country, in our world. You notice that? Our culture is emasculating our men. We need men to step up and to lead in the home, in the church, in life. And the church needs teachers as well. I don't want to lay a guilt trip on you, but if it works, okay. But we need more men to step up and teach. We more, need more ladies to step up and teach in our Bible classes. They're young kids. And you may think to yourself, well, I've just got too many irons in the fire. I'm busy at work. And I get all that. I understand that. Sometimes I cannot see that because I'm the preacher and I, I, I spend all day doing this. I understand that you've got so much going on. But let me remind you of something I've said before, and I, I want to say it again. When does the church win in your life? When does the church ever win in your life? So, I mean, we've got competing priorities, and we've got all sorts of things going on in our lives, but at some point, the church has got to win. It's got to. It's got to. And so maybe, just maybe, you have been putting off teaching when you have that ability and when you are fully capable of doing so because of other reasons. Maybe it's time to say, you know, the church needs to win here. You know, it's kind of like when you talk to folks that uh, are qualified to be elders and they say, well, I don't desire the office, so therefore I wouldn't make a good elder. So what? You know, I don't think you can use that as a cop-out always. Because I find a lot of people in Scripture that didn't desire God's office. And he didn't care. You're going to do it anyway. Right? Think about what it means to sit on a talent and ability and not use it. If you're capable, think about when does the church ever win in your life. When it comes to teaching as applied to our, our core and strengthening our core, I think it's very important that we all seek to be teachers in our everyday lives, but also understand that we're not all teachers when it comes to every part of our lives, if that makes any sense. And so I'd encourage you, be a teacher in your daily life. Seek to, to help people understand that hope that lies within you. And also, if you're a capable teacher and you've been thinking about doing that, please consider maybe making that effort. When does the church ever win? Thank you for being here today. I think we've had a great day together. I pray that it's, springboard, it's a springboard into this coming week. You know, we always talk about Sunday and how great Sunday is and how it's great to always come together and all that, but how does Sunday affect your Monday? Hopefully, it affects it in a profound way. It should. Hopefully, it affects the rest of your week. So take what we've done here today in worshiping our Father and in, in studying God's Word, and let it be a springboard into being better this week. If you have a need tonight that we can help you with,
Kevin's going to lead us in a song. Please come as we stand and as we sing.